God blow among us. As long as we have breath, may we praise your name. For you are worthy of all glory and honor and power. And though we do not comprehend why you do what you do or why you allow what you allow, God, who else do we have to trust but you? You've proven yourself to be the God of all love and power. The one who would give your own life and lay it down to save and liberate us. And while our minds fall short of understanding your ways, God, when that happens, may our hearts fall into your arms, learning to trust you. So God, energize, fill up, encourage your people this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. 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 And in that same attitude of worship. Man, we're going to open up God's Word together today. Um, continuing in this series, uh, Kingdom Come. Thank you, David. And I'm going to tell you ahead of time, um, there's been the, like this little uh, two-day-long head cold that has been going through my house. I'm one of the last ones to get it. Just in case I have to say it, it's not COVID. Um, but if I seem a little bit loopy this morning, um, that's why, all right? So, this could be fun. <laughs> um, but all that to say, as we jump in, um, let me just first say, it really is a pleasure uh, to be able to worship with you guys. Um, Shelby and I truly do love this church, and we love you guys, and we see the ways that God is moving in your lives, and the ways that so many, so many of you are open and leaning into what God has for you. And that is such an encouragement to us because we see the way that the Spirit of God is alive and working here in our church, in our midst. Do you believe that? If you don't, if you don't that's, that's okay. Like, go talk to somebody. <laughs> you know, go, go hear some of the stories because they are true. God is moving among us here, and he's doing amazing things. But as we dive in, this series, Kingdom Come, every summer... Um, that I can remember as a middle and high school kid, I went to a Christian camp for a few days, and I absolutely loved it. I would pack into a van or a bus with, you know, about 100, 150 kids from our church, and we would head off to, I don't know, Panama City, Florida, or Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, or Atlanta, or the mountains of Tennessee someplace. And once we get there, I mean, the week is probably best described as ordered chaos with Jesus, right? I mean, we, we got maybe four hours of sleep every night, um, but no one cared. I mean, it was a complete blast. And similar to the youth retreats that we put on here at Trinity, you know, every evening we had a, a worship team who led us in worship. We had a speaker come up, and then afterwards we played games late into the night. And I distinctly remember one year the theme of the retreat was fear factor, and they divided us up into teams, and we had to compete based off who could eat the grossest things. And I distinctly remember watching this girl named Shelby devour earthworms to get her teams to win. And that's when I knew we were meant to be, right there. <laughs> but 
After every evening, like I said, we would, have, we would just sing our hearts out with some worship band. And then a speaker would come up and he'd tell us about what it means to know Jesus and how God loved you and how he had a marvelous plan for your life. And, and after several days of this, by the final day, man, I was pumped. I was like, all right, Jesus, you and me, like we're going to change the world together, right? I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere for you. And then I would take that mountain top high and ride it all the way home. And then, once I got home, you know, the typical everyday would happen. I'd, I'd get working my summer job, mowing lawns or something like that. And school would start. And the typical everyday would happen. And before I knew it, I would forget to even pray some days, much less change the world. And after this happened several years in a row of mountaintop experience turned into, meh, Christianity... I started thinking, am I going to change anything? (laughs) I'm not not even changing myself, much less the world. And I somewhat flopped in the whole opposite direction. I'm like, well, you know what? Maybe I'm just a bit naive to think that I can change anything. I mean, maybe this whole faith thing is just really just needs to be about me and Jesus. Jesus and me. Right? I'm just going to strengthen my relationship with him, leave it to myself, and that's fine. Because, I mean, the world's kind of a mess anyway, right? I mean, where would I even start? Now, was I wrong to focus on my relationship with Jesus? No way. But if I've grown to think that my relationship with Jesus is just about me and him, then I'm mistaken. Because truth is, God actually does have a plan to change the world. You remember last week, we looked at Jesus' public announcement when he said, the kingdom of heaven has come near. And we said, like that very phrase was Jesus saying, God's come and he's going to change the world. And if you remember last week, we defined the kingdom of heaven as any place where a realm, either in heaven or earth, in which God's reign may be experienced. And now to try to put it a little more simply, I think this definition might be a little more helpful. I like to think of the kingdom, God's kingdom, as wherever God's kingship is in action. In other words, Christ came to bring God's goodness, his love, his justice, and make it the reality in our soil of everyday life. And after all, his prayer was, May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That means that if you know Jesus, follow Jesus, that we are a part of his world-changing work. But does that mean we're ready to go change the world? No. Does that mean as a high school teenager that I was right on? Or like, what, what, what does this look like? Right? What, if his kingdom has come, then... What part do we play in the work that he's doing around us? And so we're going to dig in today to talk about how does God's kingdom come into our lives and into our world, and what does it look like, could it look like for us to join in to what our divine king is doing here? And to get at that, we're going to go back to that same, you know, when Jesus was going public, and that same announcement in Matthew 417. 
If you want to open one of these blueback Bibles, we're on page 785. And again, if you don't have a Bible at home, take one of these with you. It's our gift to you. But we're going to be reading Matthew 4.17 to verse 25 today. That Jesus has gone public. And now, this week, we're going to see how he's bringing others into his kingdom mission too. So let's check it out. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 to 25. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness among the people. And news about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. So if you pray with me, God, open my heart. Let's try that again. Say, God, open my heart. Open my mind. Move my hands to be about your business. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, the kingdom of heaven has come near. So as we jump into week two of our series leading up to Easter called Kingdom Come, man, I'm sure that the the language of kingdom still sounds foreign to a lot of us. And if so, that's okay. That's okay. Again, his, his kingdom refers to his kingship in action. But my question is, how does he make his kingship, or you could say his will, his intention, a reality in places where it's not. To reframe that, looking at kings today or rulers today, how do they often expand their kingdoms? I mean, oftentimes a military power, political strength. But the king we serve is not of this world. So his kingdom must come to the earth in ways quite different from this world, right? See, the full reality of God's kingdom is coming, but not how we're used to kingdoms coming. God's word tells us that there is coming a day when his reign, his will, his intention will be fully realized in the world around us. If you can, maybe even just close your eyes for a second and just listen to these words from Isaiah chapter 2. This is the promise of God of the day to come when the law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, that he will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares, that's agricultural tools, and nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. 
Isaiah 11 adds that in that day there will be no more harm or destruction. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And I don't know about you. Man, this week I was reading this in my left hand. And in my right hand had my phone. (laughs) And watching all these updates come up about Ukraine. And man, my heart ached for this. Ached for this day to come when there will be no more war. And the end of the Bible describes the same ultimate hope for human history. In Revelation 21, it says, A day is coming when God will dwell with his people, and he will wipe away every tear, and there will be no more death or pain. Why? Because the old order of evil, brokenness, and death has passed away. You see, throughout the promises of God, throughout all his word, he makes his intention clear that under his kingship, his justice, peace, and joy will one day cover every corner of his creation. You know, I've been asked before, man, why is the message of Jesus good news? Why is it such good news? And for the longest time, I used to answer like this. Oh, it's good news because Jesus died to forgive me of my sin, to save me, to bring me into a relationship with him and allow me to go to heaven one day. Now, is that true? Yes. But when I read scripture, I don't just see a me-sized vision of the kingdom. I see a God-sized vision for every nook and cranny of existence. That under our divine king, he says all greed and oppression, bitterness and alienation, grief and rejection, violence and destruction, pride and self-exaltation will become a thing of the past. And then when everything is aligned with our creator and king, every sector of society will flourish under his righteous and eternal rule, including the justice system, government, arts, and our relationships with one another. Now that sounds like good news to me, doesn't it to you? And so the next time we're praying, may your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, this is the full, rich, beautiful picture that's in Christ's mind. Is that not good? But I know for some, they're like, okay, great. You know, that sounds, that sounds very exciting. Um, but every king, every leader, man, they, all of them make promises they can't keep. Why would we believe this one? Because this king Jesus came to bring about his kingdom, but not through human means of manipulation, intimidation, or violence, but through sacrificial love. Like all of you, I've been appalled looking at the ways that Putin and Russia have just sought to dominate and bring his kingdom to the midst of this country. But as I thought about it, man, it struck me that the way he's doing things is just a repeat of history for all dictators. He might have a few new technologies, but like every dictator who has sought to impose his or her will on others, they make their own kingdom come by manipulating minds, squashing wills, and committing violence. But we have a king who allowed the kingdoms of this world to impose their violence on him so that he could rescue us from death. 
And the Jews saw the cross and they thought, Psh, that's weakness. And the Greeks saw the cross and thought, Psh, that's foolishness. When in fact God said, no, 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 it's the very power and wisdom of God. For among all humanity, where is there a king who would choose to suffer and die on a Roman cross as a sacrifice for his enemy's sin? Only Christ. And among all leaders, where is there a king who after such an agonizing death could walk out of his own grave on the third day? Only Jesus. There is no other name like his, as we just sang. But as we recognize who he is, what does he ask for us in return? Then in return, this king isn't just looking for people to fulfill a duty, but his love summons us to follow him with our whole lives. Most kings, they're perfectly content as long as you pay your taxes and obey the law. What about this one? After this announcement of the kingdom, that it has come and that it is coming. Jesus' next step is to go to four ordinary fishermen and says, follow me. First of all, what king wants a relationship with ordinary people? But second, when he said, follow me, this was a radical charge. He said, come do all of life with me. His charge, follow me, meant Simon, Andrew, James, and John would now change their whole lifestyle, their whole thinking, their whole being in order to be with Jesus. It required everything. The following Jesus means he becomes now the Lord over our businesses, our families, our hobbies, our relationships, our politics, our sex life, our, our, our entertainment choices, even our friendships. That following Jesus doesn't mean I gotta be perfect now, but it means we're all in. We're all in. You know, I used to think that being a Christian meant Jesus would just be fine as long as I went to church every Sunday, gave a little money, and then tried to be nice to people. But that's, that's, the, that's the way the world thinks. As long as you pay your taxes and obey the law, right? You're good. But just as our king loved us with his whole life, following him requires the same. But why? Why would Jesus care about every part of my life? Why does he ask us to go all in? That the king of heaven calls us to go on in with him so that we can become like him. And so after Jesus called Simon, Andrew, James, and John to follow him, that began what was called a rabbi-disciple relationship. Now, I know in church, we throw around this word disciple a lot. We don't always explain what it means. But a disciple it was a 24-7 apprentice or student who followed behind a rabbi and tried to imitate everything the rabbi did. In other words, for, to be a student of Jesus did not mean that you go to a, a lecture once a week and then you do a little homework. Right? No, no, no. It was life on life apprenticeship where you are listening, observing, and at, in time repeating what he was doing. Probably the closest thing we have in our lives today is probably the parent-child relationship. Which is interesting because when we come into a relationship with Jesus, he actually calls us a child of God. A son or daughter of God. And we look at the disciples and say, well, man, it's easy for them because they had Jesus physically right in front of them. And we don't. 
But what's true for us, Jesus says? He says, yeah, I'm going to the Father, but I'm not leaving you fatherless. He says the Holy Spirit dwells with us. And he's come to teach us all things that God is with us by his Spirit. 24-7. And the more time we spend with Jesus, the more we care about the things he cares about. You know, as a big University of Tennessee volunteer fan, I had the basketball game on Friday night. And I had to step away for a moment. And my five-year-old son, Knox, glued his face to that screen. And every time there was some sort of score change, he'd give me an update. Dad, Dad, they got 70 points now. They're winning. Why did he care so much about that? Because he spent a lot of time with me. And that's what I care about. And if you see him second service, it was his choice to be decked out in a Tennessee jersey this morning, okay? Not mine. Not mine. But after Jesus is calling them to follow, he says, now, guys, I'm going to show you what I care about. I'm going to show you what I care about. And what did, he, what did Jesus care about? Schmoozing with the wealthy, smart, and politically powerful people in the hip-hop happening city of Jerusalem no, no, that's what the world cares about. But Jesus said, let's go to the streets across Galilee, to the least, the last, the lost, the lonely. That when Jesus saw the crowds, it says that he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. That he led his followers toward the sick, the oppressed, the forgotten, forsaken. All of those suffering under the reign of sin, death, and evil. And if you think about it, all this makes sense. If we know that his kingdom is coming to restore all things then this king will teach us to care for the broken like he does. And we see the way that Jesus chooses to minister to people when he was here. He doesn't just care for part, but for the whole person. But first, Jesus cares about what's in our heads. He says that he brought the disciples along to the synagogues where he opened the scriptures and taught a correct understanding of who God is, who he's not, and who we are. I mean, imagine following Jesus and watching God in the flesh beginning to dispel the darkness of myth and deception for people opening their eyes to the reality of who God is. He wanted to make sure their minds were filled with the reality of God. But second, Jesus also cares about what's in our hearts. If teaching was about informing our minds, then proclaiming the good news of the kingdom was about speaking hope to our hearts, to the depressed and discouraged. He says, God is alive and he's coming. His kingdom is here. And to those who are following after other gods and other things, he's, by declaring the kingdom has come, he's challenging. He says, no, no, who are you really following? But he's speaking to the heart as well as the head. But he doesn't stop there, does he? Because Jesus isn't just about words. But he also cares about liberating and healing today. After teaching and proclaiming, Jesus put action behind his words. So that 
He, by healing physical sickness and casting out evil spirits. Man, he's just giving us a sampling, an appetizer of the kingdom power that will one day come to restore all things. Isn't that amazing? And for us today, as followers of Jesus, a group of people called the church, we can't just focus on the head. We can't just focus on the heart. We can't just focus on healing the sick or liberating the oppressed. Jesus cares about all these things. And the more we spend time with Jesus, and the longer we follow him, the more we start caring about the broken in all areas of life too. And that when we pray, may your kingdom come, we're petitioning God, man, light, bring your light into the confusion, bring your hope into the depression, your healing to physical brokenness, and your liberty to those who are bound up. Man, and you pray like that long enough, sincerely enough, and we're going to start growing to become like Jesus, caring about the things he cares about. You guys tracking with me? If you're with me, say, I am. But as we spend time with Jesus and we become like Jesus, what then? As we become like our king, we're also learning to do what he did. Jesus said, follow me. And as a result of that, I will send you out to fish for people. Later on, he said, the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So we already know we're called to live with Jesus, not run ahead of him. And in doing that, we become like Jesus. You don't want to go try to change the world if you don't have his heart. All right? That's bad news. But in becoming like Jesus, he then empowers us and calls us to go and do what he did. That as Jesus taught truth, proclaimed good news, healed and liberated, we as the group of his disciples called the church learn to do the same. That we understand that teaching God's truth is vital, right? Because we are becoming whatever vision we have of who God is in our minds, so are we sure that the God in our minds matches the God in reality in his word? Man, I, I hope so. That's why we dig into this. This is that we can get to know him and his truth. But if we as a church only focus on correct doctrine or right understanding, but ignore the heart and the hands of Christ, we become the almighty church of the ivory tower. Right? Detached from human reality with a bunch of big heads. And proclaiming good news is vital to establishing our faith, to building hope. But good news detached from truth or action means we just become tossed around chasing every idea that feels good to us, whether it's true or not. And the work of healing and liberating people brings the hope of Christ and his love and his kingdom, makes his kingdom a tangible reality. But without the truth of the gospel, any works we do become hollow, devoid of substance or meaning in eternity. But when the church imitates her king with every part of who we are, 
Every area of influence becomes an opportunity to make Christ's kingdom visible. You know, it's, it's easy to kind of fall into thinking that, okay, serving Jesus basically looks like, you know, preaching on Sunday or preaching at church, volunteering at church, giving money to the church, or telling somebody about Jesus, or, or praying for somebody. Right? Like, like that, that is the picture of serving Jesus. And that's certainly, those, those certainly are pictures of what it means to serve Jesus. But if that is the full idea of what it means to serve Jesus, then we become like a farmer with acres of land, but we're only cultivating this little area right here. When there are opportunities across our lives to also be about his kingdom work. You know, when you use your mind as an engineer to design a medical device that helps someone with a disability, that's kingdom work, is it not? When you teach your kids the truth of God or even how to read or write, that's kingdom work. When you advocate for justice, when you stand up for what you know is right, when you care for your sick parents, when you adopt a child who needs a home, when you welcome a stranger, when you give a, 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 your table, a seat at your table to a neighbor who lives alone, when you raise money for someone in need, when you create art that celebrates the beauty of God, when, you, when you're nice to somebody who's rude to you in the middle of a grocery store, right? Like all of this is also the big, beautiful picture of what it means when his kingdom comes through us. See, my goal, my hope, is that we are able to start, like, if, if we see serving Jesus like this right here, what we do on Sunday morning, or what we do when we step into this building, or what we do when we, we, we were part of church programs, I mean, I'm trying to boom that out to see the big, beautiful, colorful picture of what his kingdom could look like across all areas of our lives. And the reason why we do all of these things is not just because we're trying to be nice or good people, but because we're looking for opportunities to follow Jesus into the areas of brokenness and allow him to work through us to bring his restoring reign and rule to earth as it is in heaven. You know, a French pastor and reformer from the 16th century named John Calvin, he said, we must make the invisible kingdom visible in our midst. That we are called into a relationship with Jesus so that we be can become like Jesus. So that he can work through us by his spirit to teach, proclaim, heal, liberate. And as we allow Jesus to shape every part of us, his kingdom comes through us to every corner of his creation. So you guys ready to change the world? <laughs> I mean, truth is, Jesus is already changing the world. And he's doing it through his disciples, his followers across the world. And we're part of that. We're part of that. And if we know that his kingdom is coming and he is going to restore all things, then we know that none of our teaching, none of our proclaiming, none of our healing, none of our liberating, none of that is in vain, is it? For he is coming to make all things right again. 
But until then, I remember Jesus' words from John 4, 35, when he said, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. These words, open your eyes, just really means notice. Notice. Notice the opportunities for his kingship to be in action around us. Well, how do we do that? Well, first, ask where. Where? Where are you already involved in your life? Where are the pockets of of people, communities, and work that God already has you in? Where are those places in deep, serious need of the truth, of hope, of healing, of liberation? And when we've identified just one of those areas, just one, then ask what? What would it look like if his kingdom came to that area? This is when we start to begin to pray and brainstorm with others. Hey, hey what, what could it look like if God's truth, his, his, his hope, his, his power, his healing, his liberation came to this area? And even tease that out. Talk through it with somebody. Then we're asking, where am I involved? What is that one area? And then what would it look like if his kingdom came there? And last, then ask how. How can we participate with God to make his will a reality there? Because the truth is, as we take on the mind, the heart, and the hands of Jesus, we're also transformed through that process, aren't we? That as we step into those areas of brokenness with his spirit, empowering us, that through us, he begins to bring about that kingdom come. So where? Where? Look at the fields. Where? What could it look like if Christ's kingdom came there? And then how? The Christ will change this world. And the amazing news is we get to participate with him in that, don't we? And as we allow Jesus to shape every part of us, his kingdom comes through us to every corner of his creation. So will you stand and bow your heads with me? And I'm going to say, Lord, Lord, Lord. One of the things that I'm realizing about this series, Jesus, is that it does. Man, it's... It's engaging my imagination in ways that I've never really thought. But it's not an imagination you know, outside of reality. But it's an imagination grounded in faith, knowing who you are and knowing your promises. And so, Lord, I pray that you show us that the more we spend time with you, how to care about those you care about and the things you care about. God, we open our hearts Man, I know that I have many areas in my life where you have grown me and many areas where you are growing me. And so I praise you and thank you for the ways that you've worked in my life and everybody here. But Lord, we also ask that you, that you would move within us. That if we realize that, that we've been so focused on the head but we've neglected the heart and the hands, God, will you show us how to build those areas?
God, if we've been so focused on doing things, but we, we haven't focused on really knowing you according to your word, that you would challenge us in that way. But the more that we begin to, to allow you to shape every part of us, I pray that you also give us a fresh imagination for the ways that you want to work in our workplaces, in our homes, among our families. God, the ways that you want to speak through us to maybe a discouraged neighbor or somebody, in our, even in, within this church, who may have just a, 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 a twisted view of who you are. God, but I pray that whatever we do, that we might be about your kingdom work in your love and by your power. So open us up, God. Lead us. Grow us. We are yours. And may your kingdom come, your will be done across our lives as it is in heaven. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. Let's